You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, GTF. We're so glad that you're joining with us here on the live stream. And uh, we are so excited um, that today's Mother's Day. And so happy Mother's, Mother, Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, but we're also really excited about next weekend and, and being able to start live services again here on, uh, our, on our campus here at GTF. And so I wanted to give you a couple of just reminders. I have two reminders for you this morning and one new piece of information that I'd like to make you aware of as we get ready to open up our services again to the public. And so here's the two reminders. Number one, um, we really want to caution our at-risk community here in Dumas, but also here in, within our church. Um, and if you are at all uncomfortable or you're, you're concerned about your health and getting back into um, public uh, situations and even social situations, I really want to encourage you to stay home for the time being. This first phase of what we're trying to do is really just kind of initial phase to get things back going. And so if you're at all not ready to do that, or if you're physically not capable of doing that, we really want to encourage you to stay home, continue to join us for the live stream, uh, enjoy your church experience um, from the comfort and the safety of your own living room. The second reminder I have for you is for the first few weeks, as we start back our live services, we are not going to be providing children's ministry or child care. And so just to remind you that if that's going to cause a hardship for you and your family, we will be practicing social distancing. Um, there will be capacity issues. And so if you know that that's going to be hard for you to wrangle four kids or three kids, and if they're small and they're real busy and you know that they aren't going to sit still, I want to encourage you for the next several weeks to continue to, to worship the Lord at home uh, on the live stream as well. And here's the last um, new piece of information that I wanted to give you, uh, and that is with us coming back to services, we are going to be doing a reduced capacity. We're trying to basically entertain about 30% of what we would normally be able to do in our church building. And so in order to do that, we're going to have uh, you know, se several rows taken out. Um, we're going to be asking that there be two different uh, two chairs, empty chairs in between households. All that's old information, but the new information that I want to give you today is in order to make sure that you don't drive out to the church building, get your family ready and all of that stuff, and just to come to the building and learn that we've, we've got a full service and we can't get any more people in the building, we're going to actually ticket um, our Sunday services for the next several weeks. And so I want to encourage you to, to, to pay attention to our social media sites. We're going to have a, a link up tomorrow to where you can go and get uh, tickets. They're going to be free, of course. But what that does is we're going to have 125 tickets available to the public to come and personally attend our church service next Sunday and the Sundays thereafter. And, and, and once those 125 tickets are gone, then you'll know through that website that there's no longer any more capacity and, and there's no vacancy. And so I uh, just want to make sure that you're aware of that. We're going to be communicating that on social media all throughout the week. Um, we will make it readily available for you to access those tickets through Eventbrite. We'll put a link on our, on our website. We'll put links in Facebook as well. And so just want to make sure that you're aware of that so that if you show up next Sunday, you need to have a ticket. You can print those out. You can download them onto your phone. Much like if you go to the movies now and, and you buy your tickets online, it, it works exactly the same way. And so um, definitely be prepared to do that if you're going to be coming next Sunday to worship with us here at GTF. Okay, if you have your Bibles, open those up to Matthew chapter 13. 
And I, I read this quote this week, and it, with it being Mother's Day, this really stuck out to me. And so I want to read this to you. This is from Breitbart.com, and, and uh, this is what it says. It says, Former First Lady Michelle Obama said in her newly released Netflix documentary recently, uh, the documentary named Becoming, that having children was a concession that cost her aspirations and her dreams. Now, as I read that quote, I initially was honestly taken back by that. And, and, and one of the reasons I'm, I was taken back by that was there's this narrative in our culture uh, right now that is, it, it, it really does glorify the, the right of women and the ability of women to build a powerful career and influence the world. And I feel like that's a, a very viable and important thing in our culture. However, that narrative also goes on to devalue motherhood and with it being Mother's Day, one of the things that, that really struck me in this was how valuable it is for a mom to invest in her family and into her children's lives. Now, to be fair to Michelle Obama and, and what she meant by that quote, I don't know if she, she could have meant a couple different things, right? She could have meant having children cost me my dreams and aspirations and it was totally worth it. And I love my kids and I do it all over again. And if so, that's wonderful. Um, but she could have also meant having children cost me my dreams and it isn't fair. And, I, and, I, and I, I really want to have the same opportunity that a man has and, and all of those different things. And I know that this is a supercharged issue in our culture today. And this is what I want you to, to think about as we look into God's Word today. Investing into your kids is one of the most important things that a mom can do. Here's the thing. If you're a woman and you're a doctor, I think that's a fantastic thing. If you're a woman and you're a teacher, I think that's a necessary thing. But listen, your kids are not going to have any other kid, any other mom. While I can go find a different doctor or there will be many teachers in my life, I only have one mom. And that mom's, my mom's investment in my life, we actually got to, to spend some time with my mom yesterday, and her investment into my life changed the course of my life. It really molded me and shaped me. The influence that my dad had in my life really molded me and shaped me. And so one of the things that I want to focus on today is the value that we have as followers of Jesus to invest in other people and how powerful that can become in the course of history, but all throughout eternity as well. So you're there in, in Matthew chapter 13. And I want to read this. This, this is just one of Jesus' teachings on investing, and I'm kind of a nerd. I like the subject of investing personally, and I like to think about um, retirement investings, investing in the stock market. But what Jesus is talking about is way more important than that. He's talking about investing into people, investing into people's lives, and the ramification that has not only in their life right here and right now, but all throughout the course of history and eternity. And so I want to read this with you. Look at Matthew chapter 13. This is verse 1. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So they got into the boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, and since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them. Then other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, 
and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, as you read this, this parable, this is something that Jesus did on many occasions. He would, get, he would have a crowd gather around him because they were you know, impressed by his miracles or they had heard of his fame. And as they gathered around them, he never ceased to take an opportunity to minister to the people that were there. Whether it was he ministered healing to them or whether it was that he sowed the truth of God's kingdom into their lives. It says in the, in the scriptures that everywhere Jesus went, he preached that the kingdom of heaven was near. And as he taught in these stories, these parables, he was trying to relate an eternal truth to our hearts that would, that would show us something about God's kingdom and God's perspective on how the world works that was different than our natural reality in the flesh. So as he shares this parable about the sower and, and the seed and the, and, the, and the ground, here's the thing that I want you to see in this interpretation as we kind of pick it apart. This is what we know. The seed represents in this parable the Word of God. Now we know throughout the rest of Scripture that the Word of God represents Jesus Christ Himself. It says in John, John 1.1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Christ. And so we know in this parable that the seed represents the Word, but we know throughout Scripture that the Word represents Jesus Himself. And in this parable, the ground conditions represent the soil of our heart. The reason we know that is because Jesus' disciples later on asked Him to explain this parable to them, and He went into detail. Now, here's the thing that I want to point out straight away, is that as much as this parable is about the condition of our hearts in receiving the Word of God, it is about the, the, the nature of Christ's life being sown into the world that He lived in 2,000 years ago. Now, why is that important? It's important because as much as it is our responsibility to receive the Word of God and respond to that in a great way, it's also God's responsibility and has been His responsibility to help us out of our problem of sin. That is the story of Christ, is that here we are lost in our transgressions and we couldn't do anything to fix that problem for ourselves. But God saw he loved us, had compassion on us, and He sent His Son. And as Jesus introduced His life as a baby and as a boy and as a grown man and then as a rabbi, He, sow, he, he was sowing His life into the storyline of humanity and He spent it and He was poured out on the cross and then rose from the dead. Listen, that's the part that only God could do. The other part of this par parable is our response to God's part. You and I have to respond to Christ's ministry and, and the condition of our heart really does tell the story of how we receive the message of Christ on an ongoing basis. Now, let me just point out to you that just real quick something about investing. Okay, We're talking about investing into people today and investing into another person. And as we talk about investing, there's this term in the investing world called ROI. And what that simply means is return on investment. And any investor who is looking to sow a seed or invest finances, invest time, is if they're investing minded, they're looking for a return on their investment. They're looking for fruit or a harvest. They're looking for something to come back to them to benefit them, to make it worth their time to actually invest. Now, if you look at the, the ROI in this, in this parable... 
It's really interesting to me that as, as Jesus' life was sown, and, and it's sown in different ways, 75%, think about this, 75% of the seed that was sown in this parable was wasted. There was the ground, there was the road, right? And the birds of the air came and picked the seeds away. There was the ground, the rocky soil that, that the seeds were, were planted in and then they grew up and then they withered because they didn't have any root. That's the second one. The third one was that there was the seed that fell among the, the thorns, the weeds. And as it grew, the weeds choked it out and it didn't have any life and it wasn't able to produce a crop. Listen, 75% of the seeds that were sown in this parable failed. They didn't produce anything. There was no ROI, but 25%, it says, produced a crop, 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. 25% returned something back to the sower in this parable. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this lately, but if I get 25% return on any investment I make, that's fantastic. Any investment that you and I could make that we could get 25% return on, a 25% rate of return on, that would be a worthy investment. But so many of us, we look at the 75% that we're risking a loss, and listen, if you are thinking only about what you will lose, you will never become an investor. If you're fixed on only the risk of what could go wrong or the failure of what you're going to do, you will never become somebody who invests and this is the question that I really want to boil this down to is, was 75% of Christ's life wasted or was 100% of his life invested? See, regardless of how you or I respond to the message of Christ, his life work, what he's come to do to save the world, regardless of how we, we respond to that, he considers it a worthy investment of his life into you and me, even if we reject Him. If you are primarily focused on the potential of loss, you will never invest. If God was primarily focused on everybody who is going to reject Jesus, He would have never sent His Son, but He wasn't. See, one of the points of this parable is that God so loved the world that He was willing to be rejected 75% of the time so that he could be received 25% of the time. It was worth it to God to invest his son into your life and into my life and even into a world who the majority of rejects him and his teachings and his way in order that some would be saved. Now there's something that you and I can learn from the example in this parable I definitely want to learn that I've got to control and I've got to, to posture my heart in such a way where I receive the message of God. I receive the word of God in my life. But I also want to have the mindset of an investor. That whenever Jesus asks me to invest into others, that I have the foresight to do so like God did with me. See, here's the question that I want you to think about in your personal life. And this is a hard question, and I'll just prepare you for that up front, because this is one of those questions that kind of can be kind of dark. But it's still one of those questions that I believe every single person asks of themselves, and you need to have an answer ready. Is your life a waste? Is your life 
a waste? Or is it something that is impacting the world around you? Listen, if your life is spent on investing eternal things in others around you, it is never wasted. But if your life is spent on the pursuit of your own lust for pleasure and fame and glory, then it is a waste. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 16, just a few chapters later. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will actually find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? See, this is what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 16. He was saying, if your focus in life is, is on the 75% risk that you would lose something and you just want to save your life, you will actually lose it. But if you adopt the mindset of an investor and you actually spend your life for him, that's the only place that you're going to find life, true life, eternal life. See, it's this, this paradox that if we will sow, we will actually get more back. But if we try to hoard it all to ourselves and keep it and keep it safe, then it'll actually slip between our fingers and we'll lose it. There's no higher calling for you and I than to invest in another. In order to do that, we have to have the mindset of an investor, of our Heavenly Father who gave, who invested who spent. He, Jesus, in his last words to his disciples, he called them to go, make disciples, invest in somebody else like I've invested in you. And, and if you and I want to spend our lives on investing in others, it will never be a waste. I want you to think about that word, spend. To spend your life. To sp what is it that you spend your life on? How is it that you spend your time how is it that you spend your money? And one of the things that you and I have to understand if we're going to get what the, the heart of the Father in this, if we're going to get a mindset of the Father to invest in others, is that it is more beneficial for you and I to lose 75% of our efforts and our finances and everything else on the cause of Christ in order to get the 25% increase that comes from the kingdom of heaven. Matthew, or Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. There is an affirm, affirming message all throughout Scripture for us to look beyond ourselves and look into another. I don't know that there's a better principle to think about on Mother's Day than this. Because if there's anybody that's investing in other people's, it's the mom. It's the one who is looking at her kids and trying to do the best for their kids and trying to go to work to help provide for her kids. A mom is somebody who sees the value of investing in her kids to make sure that they have a good life, a strong foundation in God, that they're brought up with the privilege of being aware of God's truth in their life. If your life is spent... By investing in another, it will never be wasted. Now, here's the irony of this whole principle. The irony of this whole principle, and I want to look at actually uh, the Apostle Paul's life. And so if you want to flip over to Philippians chapter 2. 
It's kind of interesting because Jesus said that if we seek to save our life, we'll actually lose it. But if we lose our life for his sake, then we'll actually find it. Here's the irony of this. If whenever we invest ourselves in another, then we don't mind wasting our life. You know, whenever the, the world sees what a Christian does and always living for the next life and not this life, they consider it folly and it's foolish and it's a waste, right? But this is the, the, the irony of Jesus' parable is that if we can switch our mindset and say, you know, it's better for me to waste 75% on rejection to get the 25% gain, that's the place that life actually flows. It can be discouraging if you're constantly looking over at the place where you're not getting any gain and you're, you're, you're forgetting to encourage yourself in the, where the gain's coming from. If you're doing that over and over and over again, you'll always be discouraged. But what I'm trying to tell you today is you and I have to adopt a mindset where we focus on investing in the 25%, the good soil. Now, here's the thing about good soil is I don't get to identify which one's the good soil. There have been many times in my life whenever I've wanted to win that person to the Lord, but all they ever do is reject. And that doesn't mean that as time goes by that their heart won't soften, that they won't eventually respond. But with the beauty of broadcasting and spending my life and living my life in such a way where I'm always an, investing, always an investor in other people is that I'm always surprised by where the fruit comes from. See, I don't get to pick the condition of somebody else's heart. All I can do is disciple, mentor, continually give of myself of what I have to give. And it's, it's the job of that person's heart to produce the fruit. Now, look at Philippians chapter 2 and, and look at Paul's life. In the context of Philippians, is Paul is in prison as he, as he pins this letter to the, the church in Philippi. And as he's in prison, he's reflecting on what's about to happen and what has happened. Okay, he's fixing to go to Rome, and he honestly doesn't know whether he's going to live or he's going to die. And he writes this in, ch in chapter 2, verse 17. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering. I want to talk about that phrase and what Paul's talking about. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, as Paul is talking to his disciples in Philippi, he's thinking about what's fixing to happen. He doesn't, he's fixing to go to Rome, doesn't know if he's going to live or he's going to die. He's actually pretty sure that he's fixing to get martyred. As a matter of fact, in, in verse 21 of chapter 1, he said, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And the reason that he says that is because there is a real possibility that he is fixing to lose his life for the gospel. And so what he's telling the Philippians is not to be sad for him, that he's actually overflowing with joy, because for him, if he does die, that's actually gain because he gets to have his inheritance in Christ. But if he lives, it's for Christ. And he gets to go on doing the ministry that God's called him to do. Now, he makes this statement that we just read. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, what does he mean by being poured out as a drink offering? Now, if you remember in the Old Testament, whenever the, the nation of Israel brought routinely sacrifices to the temple... And one of the things that they would do is they brought sacrifices to the temple is they would bring drink offerings. And a drink offering was 
almost always accompanied by another offering. And so typically a person would come and they would bring their offering to the Lord. And maybe it's a bull or it's a ram or it's a lamb or maybe it's a bird. And as they gave that sacrifice, the priest would kill it, drain its blood and pour it on the altar, and then they would burn it and it would become a burnt offering unto the Lord. And as that smoke rose to the heavens, they would take a drink offering of water or wine and they would pour it out on the, on the ground right in front of the altar as a drink offering. Now, Jesus, if you'll remember this, this story in John chapter 7, <clears throat> was a great illustration of this, this drink offering. Because in John chapter 7, Jesus is at this huge national celebration, the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. And as he's standing there, it says on the last and greatest day of the feast, they would actually have this ceremony. <clears throat> Excuse me. They would actually have this ceremony. And the priests would bring out a cistern full of water and they would pour it out. And Jesus stood up, I believe at this very moment, and he says this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will. Now, as Jesus was talking about this, he was actually exemplifying what it was like to be that river of living water and to be poured out. And I can imagine if you were there that day, because water was a very precious commodity in the Middle East, there wasn't indoor plumbing. You, could just turn on a fa- you couldn't just turn on a faucet and get a drink of water. You had to either go down to a river, a source of water, or a well, and draw water and take it back to your home on a daily basis. So just pouring water out was considered to be very wasteful. And so as Jesus is saying this on this day, he's saying, Come to me and you will have rivers of living water flowing out of your heart. And he said this about the Holy Spirit. Now... I want you to think back to Paul. And as Paul's talking about being poured out, there's this reality that whenever the world looks at us and they see what we do on behalf of Christ, he's called us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And as people see that denying of our flesh and following Christ, the, the world's response is to call that wasteful. But listen... Anything that you invest on behalf of Christ is not a waste. It's actually a sacrifice. Paul is talking here, and and as he's talking about even his life being laid down for the gospel, he knows that it's not wasted because it's a sacrificial offering to the Lord. He says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual act of worship. Here's the thing. If you and I are going to become people who invest in other people, you can never focus and have a mindset that says, hey, if I share my story with somebody, if I ask if I can pray for somebody, and what if they reject me, you can never view that as a waste. Because I can just tell you in my own personal life, I had many people who came to me and tried to influence me for the Lord. And for the vast majority of those interactions that I had with people, 
overwhelmingly, I rejected the message of Christ. I rejected their well wishes. I rejected their love. I rejected their, their influence in my life. But then there was one day that I didn't, that I became actually a little bit receptive and open to hearing what it was that Jesus wanted to do in me. If you're going to become somebody who on a faithful basis invests in other people, you're going to have to take your focus away from what the world would call a waste and totally thrust it into a place of, God, everything that I do for you is an investment. And even if it doesn't yield a return, it's at least a sacrificial offering that pleases you. Now, here's the thing that I want to kind of end with and conclude with. Here we are on Mother's Day 2020 and we're in the middle of this, this pandemic and you know the state of Texas is beginning to open up and, and just thinking about what's to come. And, and one of the things that you and I can begin to think about in that mentality of having a mentality that invests in others is we can never think of what we're doing as a waste. So listen, I really feel like that the word of the Lord for us today is to, that what's going on in your life right now is not a waste. This season of your life is not a waste. I've, thought, I've had this thought roll through my mind several times over the last several weeks of the opportunities and the moments that were wasted this year through this quarantine. And listen, I've had to shift my thinking and look at it in a different way because if I continually think about everything that's been wasted or opportunities that have been missed... Or, or what I didn't get to experience in 2020, it's going to lead me down a very dark and depressing road. We've talked about depression. We've talked about grief over the last several weeks. We've talked about how to process this pandemic. And listen, if you're here today and you're listening to my voice, this season was not a waste in your life. We have to get to the place where we say, God, this has been weird it's been very interesting. There's been this correction. There's been all of these things that have happened in the world and in the economy. But God is able to turn everything around and work it together for our good. And so what I want to do today as we wrap up is I just want to pray this prayer. I want to pray this prayer over you. And I want to pray this prayer really as, as an offering of thanks to the Lord as we, as we begin to get ready to open everything back up in Texas and here at the church and all those different things, I believe that we are positioned right now to gather a tremendous harvest. Here's one of the things that I'm noticing in ministry is that people are more receptive to hear and receive the word of God than they ever have been prior to the, 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 the world pandemic that's been going on. And so I want to ask you to just pray with me this morning. Father God, we just come to you today, and first of all, we thank you, Jesus, that as you taught in this parable, that you have had the mindset of an investor, that you, like a farmer who sows seed, understands that there's some seed that aren't going to produce a crop, but it's still worth grabbing a handful of seeds and throwing them out onto the ground, sowing them into the soil. And so, Lord, I thank you, God, where you have invested into my life, where you have sown seeds into me, where even whenever I have rejected you, God, you have showed up time and time again. 
But Lord, I just pray for every single person who's listening, as well as for myself, God, that you would turn our hearts into hearts that know the value of investing in other people. That we would see the other people around us and we would look for opportunities to pray for them, to share our story with them, to show them, God, what you've done in our lives and encourage them to believe in the Savior that saved us. Father, I pray that on this Mother's Day that you would bless all of our families. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I pray that you have a great Mother's Day and that you enjoy the rest of this week. And we can't wait to see everybody once we open up services next Sunday. Y'all have a blessed Sunday.